ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Happy holidays, Voice America, and welcome to the 37th ever show of All Around Sports. For each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week's news. And for our last show of 2011, I want to list my winners in these uh, above-mentioned categories for the year. In 15 minutes, I will welcome our weekly, our, one of our weekly calling guests, Christopher Price, football writer for WEEI.com, and then at 1.30, our regular call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post, will join us. My highlight of the week was last night's amazing, remarkable Alamo Bowl, where Baylor beat Washington 67-56 in football, not basketball. It set a dozen records including such uh, amazing statistics as scoring 17 touchdowns and accumulating the two teams just shy of 1,400 total yards. Uh, Robert Griffin III, RG3, showed he clearly deserved the Heisman, even though the Husky quarterback was responsible for seven touchdowns himself last night, and uh, as ESPN cleverly stated, remember the Alamo Bowl, and anyone who saw this instant classic last night most certainly will never forget it. And sticking with this category, but stating it for the year, my highlight of the year is the Boston Bruins winning the Stanley Cup last June, thus allowing me a ringside seat to watch all four Boston teams win a championship this decade. And when the Bruins won, they set a a North American city record of seven titles in ten years. And I've been up in Boston for all of them. And uh, it has truly been something to behold. Can't imagine it being matched anytime soon. My low light of the week was last night prior to the Alamo Bowl. And that was basically watching uh, Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly stomp around the sidelines last night at the uh, Champs Bowl loss to Florida State. I had talked about Coach Kelly before, and although uh, he has toned it down a bit, uh, it still looks like he needs some anger management, and, and woe to his quarterbacks who turn it over upon their return to the sidelines. Now, getting to my low light of the year, it's easy, 
Very unfortunate, as I like to call it, the worst story ever. It's the Penn State scandal, which I believe is already the biggest scandal in sports history. And as I've said in previous weeks on the show, just the tip of the iceberg, and it may get worse over time. And uh, this leads into my bizarre story of this bowl week, which is, uh, which is why Penn State is even going to a bowl game, which they are scheduled to play Monday at noon in Texas. Um, so why is Penn State going to a bowl game while the University of Miami voluntarily removed themselves from bowl consideration given their scandal that they've been dealing with? Penn State, whose scandal dwarfs the U's scandal, they should have stayed home at the end of the regular season and began overhauling their program. No wonder, I just heard this morning, the, the coaches are turning them down for the job. So far, I've heard Mike Munchak, uh, Tony Dungy, the Boise State coach, and I'm sure there are others. Um, but anyway, no wonder coaches are turning them down, and the athletic director just said, literally today, I believe, that they will not meet a self-imposed January 3rd deadline for hiring a new coach. And to me, I'm guessing part of the reason would be that they're playing in a bowl game on January 2nd. Uh, again, I just feel that it's uh, they should have taken the high road. And after their uh, loss to Wisconsin, I felt that they uh, should have just ended their season right there. It was the last game of the regular season. And don't go to uh, don't go to any bowl game. I just felt that this was a year to sit out. I'm well well aware of the uh, philosophy that you know the kids on this team didn't do anything wrong, therefore they shouldn't be penalized, and in fact had a good season or a bowl bowl eligible season, so therefore they should qualify for a bowl uh, and get to play in a bowl. And I understand that, but you know. All of that logic applies to the Miami situation, and yet they chose to uh, voluntarily, I want to stress that, uh, voluntarily pass on going to a bowl game. There was no vote, there was, except at the Board of Trustees level, it was an administration decision uh, that was voted upon and then simply passed down to the football program, for better or worse. And... The only situ the only difference I see here is that uh, I do believe that if that Miami voluntarily passing up a bowl game might help lighten what could be heavy, heavy, heavy duty NCA sanctions. That's an ongoing investigation, obviously. Whereas the Penn State situation, uh, to my knowledge, I um, don't know that the NCAA has gotten involved. Uh, and opened an active investigation. Therefore, uh, that's the only difference that I see, that Penn State does not have any incentive, since there is apparently, again, to my knowledge, no active investigation. Penn State does not need to, uh, 
you know, to try to voluntarily not go to a bowl game in the hopes of lessening NCAA sanctions, since again, there is no NCAA investigation to my knowledge. Bottom line, at the end of the day, um, you know it's a college football world is turned upside down when Miami is doing the right thing, when Penn State is doing the wrong thing. Wasn't that long ago that, you know, uh, Penn State Miami was like, uh, you, you know, good versus evil back in the 1986 National Championship game in the Fiesta Bowl. So that, to me, just sums up that situation perfectly as to how the situation has changed. My bizarre sports story of the year is the Boston Red Sox being the architects of uh, the greatest collapse in baseball history, complete with allegations of pitchers drinking beer and eating fried chicken in the clubhouse on non-pitching days. Ringleader Josh Beckett uh, should have spoken publicly by now. The fact he hasn't, to me, sends up a huge red flag. He is at the epicenter of the collapse and the nasty, nasty aftermath of the collapse, uh, where, which saw Terry Francona fired and uh, Theo Epstein moving on to Chicago to be the G, uh, to work with the Cubs. And uh, I just say that new manager Bobby Valentine will have his hands full with this bunch, and uh, only time will tell. I did not have an event of the week this holiday week, but I did have a tie for my events of the year that I covered, which were both international soccer. And it was covering the world's most famous team, Manchester United versus the New England Revolution, and the reigning World Cup champion Spain playing Team USA. Both were in Gillette Stadium, in Foxborough, Massachusetts, very close to my house. And both were held early this summer. And they were, again, both first-class, multi-day events with press conferences leading up to the game. Uh, You know, for instance, there was uh, golfer Sergio Garcia was uh, practiced with the Spain squad. Um... Manchester United did a clinic at Harvard University, so there was a lot more than just the actual game. I attended both teams' practices as well as Team USA, and uh, it was just my opportunity to finally become immersed in the world of international soccer, which was uh, just, again, you know, Spectacular, spectacular event. I said this way back when, when I went to the Spain match, that uh, it was just an amazing, um, amazing moment when I walked onto the Spain practice field. And we're talking about practice here, not a game, to quote Alan Iverson. And when I walked up on uh, the pitch behind Gillette Stadium, It was just one of the more electric moments I've experienced in my sports media career where uh, there were international media everywhere. There was just a buzz like I've never seen. 
uh, certainly in a practice and for uh, many, many games that I've attended. And, uh, you know, Shakira's boyfriend was there, for instance, and it was just an absolutely electric atmosphere to see the World Cup champions. And uh, watching them practice was just nothing short of remarkable. The talent uh, was just unmistakable. And they uh, showed it on the field the next day when they, for all intents and purposes, uh, uh, toyed, shall we say, with... uh, with the USA team, and Bob Bradley was the coach then. He has since been uh, let go, and Jurgen Klingsman is now the coach. So we'll see how that goes as America uh, moves forward in uh, international soccer and the World Cup in Rio in 2014. That ought to be fascinating. And uh, so yeah, so again, the, the, it was a, a soccer summer. Getting to see again uh, two of the world's most famous teams. Loved it, and it was just terrific. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams. Each week, join Lemont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Where's America? Welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. 
or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests join us. And today we have Christopher Price, football writer for weei.com in Boston. And Chris, Happy New Year. How are you doing today? Good, John. How are you doing? Good, good. Well, I want to thank you for joining us at the beginning of this holiday weekend. Uh, I know you and I have talked for a few months about you coming on the show, and I can't think of a more perfect weekend to have you make your debut. It is. It's fantastic. I'm glad we could finally make it. I, I appreciate you being flexible. I know we tried to hook this up a couple of times, but it's good to finally make it happen. It sure is. And uh, again, absolute perfect weekend. And uh I'm actually down here in Florida, but I've been hearing some news about uh, coming out of Foxborough near where I live and where we both live up in uh, the Boston area that Tom Brady was uh, may have dinged his shoulder, and I'm guessing you're right on top of that situation up there. Yep, he, he did. It was toward the end of the Miami game where he slid for, he, he, he scrambled, and I think it was a five-yard scramble toward the end of the game. And he slid and kind of landed on it in kind of an awkward fashion. Um, the reports that we're hearing, from what I understand, he's a little bit dinged up, but it's nothing serious. It's nothing long-term. Uh, they fully expect him to play on Sunday. He was listed as limited on the injury report on Thursday. Um, but again, I, I would be surprised if he did not play on Thursday or on Sunday. What what I do think is that the Patriots are going to do their darndest to manage his snaps. I, I think that means if you're looking at a situation where they're up by two plus scores in the fourth quarter, I think that they're going to yank him in favor of Brian Hoyer. So again, nothing too serious, nothing long term, but he's dinged up, you know, as most guys are at this time of the year. Exactly right. But when it comes to Brady news, it's always big news. Uh, oh, yeah. no matter oh yes. <laughs> no matter how small it may be. But uh speaking of the Miami game, I was there and that was just a remarkable game to say the least. When the, the first half quite frankly reminded me of a few years ago when the Dolphins come up and unveiled the Wildcat offense and basically blew the Patriots out early in the season. And it was just a bit of deja vu seeing that seventeen nothing score at halftime. And then uh, the second half, the Patriots really showed up and, uh, in my mind, showed they're ready for the playoffs. What were your thoughts? Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you, John. I think that's a great point. One of the things that's really stood out for me about the Patriots in that game, as well as the two games previous to that, was the fact that they really kind of took the initial, took an initial punch from the opposition, where, where the opponent shot out to a quick lead and kind of caught them on their heels a little bit. But the Patriots were able to kind of withstand that. They took a step back. They diagnosed the problems. They fixed the problems, and they went ahead, and they won the game, you know, in the second half, third and fourth quarter. They put up a very impressive performance. So I do. I think this Patriots team is ready for the postseason. I think that they've showed some real mental toughness here, especially down the stretch. Uh, you know, you can point to that second Jets game, the one down there, uh, coming off back-to-back -back losses where they looked pretty poor, you know, at times. uh to, to both uh, the the I'm sorry the Giants and the Steelers, um, and there were times this year where they looked a little bit ragged, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I think this team is rounding into form. You know, is the defense where they would like it to be at this time of the year? Probably not. But I think there are some improvements that they're making on both sides of the ball, and, and I do think this is a team that really needs that number one seed, that home field advantage throughout. If you get them in Gillette Stadium in the postseason. Um, 
you know, you got to feel pretty good about their chances the last two years aside. Well, exactly. That that just brings me to my next point, which is if uh, they do control their own destiny uh, regarding home field in that, obviously, if they win Sunday, the Patriots beat the Bills, they... Uh, the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC will go through Gillette Stadium. And, uh, you know, you and I both live there. We both know what's really going on after going something that sounds like 10-0 and in playoff games in Gillette Stadium. All, suddenly they're 0-2. We both know that basically this season uh, really is all about are they going to win a playoff game, uh, having gone, having again gone... They've lost their last three if you go back to the Super Bowl of 07. So I would say, Chris, if they do beat the Bills Sunday and we're not you know, sitting in Gillette Stadium for the AFC Championship game, meaning they would have won their first playoff game, there's going to be a lot of upset Patriot fans in Boston. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think this team... Yeah, I think this team should be able to go that far. Again, you know, we've talked about the problems that they've had on the defensive side of the ball, but I think what they do on offense more than makes up for that because, quite frankly, their best defense is a good offense. You know, what they do, what Tom Brady does and Wes Welker and Rob Gronkowski do, they're able to put pressure on those opposing offenses to score on every single possession. And all the Patriots' defense needs is really two or three stops here or there, well-timed stops, and you figure they have them right where they want them. So... Uh, again, I, I, I agree with you. I think you know this season would be a disappointment if they did not get at least as far as the AFC Championship game. If they failed to win a, a home playoff game, you know I, I don't know if there's a, a positive way that you can spin that if you're a Patriots fan. And you know they come out of there with the number one seed. They come out of there with a home field advantage. The other thing is, I think the AFC is uh, down a little bit this year. You know, and compared right. to the, the, the past couple of years, especially when you look at 2009, 2010. Um, you know, there's there's no Indianapolis, there's no Peyton Manning. Uh, Pittsburgh is a little bit banged up. Baltimore is not where they were the last couple of years. You know, it's a, it's a different kind of AFC this year, and I think the Patriots could be well-positioned to take advantage of that. I agree. Plus, there's, uh, as I like to say, that there's no team in the AFC right now that I see with that, as I like to call it, the Super Bowl look like the Packers last year and many exactly. teams in previous years, just a team that's really getting hot. It's obvious and that they're going to make a run, but I don't see any AFC team with that look right now either. Exactly. I agree with you completely, John. You know, there's no team out there right now, at least in the AFC, you can make an argument over in the NFC that the Packers are as close to a perfect team as you have there. I think every team in the AFC is flawed at this point in the season. You know, the Jets aren't, where they were a couple of years ago, there's still an opportunity for them to get in the postseason, but I don't think they're nearly as good as they were last year or the year before. Um, so the, the field would appear to be wide open, and I do think that you know the Patriots, you can make an argument that the Patriots are the least flawed of the bunch. So, again, I, I think it would be a disappointment if this team ended up going one and out once again. I don't think there's a positive way that you can spin it. That being said, I don't think that they will. You know, again, this is a a flawed AFC field, and I think the Patriots are the least flawed of the bunch. And I agree, and I think you made your earlier point is really the key point. One of the hallmarks of the three times three Super Bowl championship uh, team era was their in-game and halftime adjustments. They were like famous, and of course, Belichick had at that point, uh, you know, the likes of Romeo Cornell and Charlie Weiss to help make those adjustments. Uh, but you're right with the last 
you know, a couple games against Denver and against Miami, falling behind, and to be able to make in Denver, it was a you know in-game first quarter adjustment, basically early second quarter, whereas with uh, obviously halftime with Miami. But yeah, I think that can be the difference. I mean, that that just jumps out at me as something that was missing the last four or five years, but seems to have suddenly returned. I, I will say this: that I, I don't know if they would be able to have that sort of leeway in the postseason to, to be able <laughs> to point. recognize those adjustments and make those changes, um, you know, against a playoff team. But but if there's any team out there that has proven time and time again that it could do it, it, it does seem to be New England. Like you said, you know, you look back at those championship teams, and that was one of the hallmarks of those championship teams. And we've seen that an awful lot this year from this team. Um, I also think, frankly, this team has a little bit more mental toughness than the 2009-2010 Patriots. And I think another thing that, that separates them is the fact that Rob Gronkowski has really emerged as one of the best young tight ends, if not the best young tight end, in the NFL. So there are certain things that set this team apart from the 2009 Patriots, the 2010 Patriots. So I, I do. I, I'm not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I'm sticking to my original preseason prediction of a Patriots-Packers Super Bowl. I would love it. That would be a great Super Bowl. I think the whole country would enjoy that. Uh, you know, it, with really two of the worst ranked defenses, uh, you know, but with two of the best offenses perhaps of all time. And, uh, you know, if that happens, we might end up with something like last night's Alamo Bowl. <laughs> was 67-56. Amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> Take the over, right? <laughs> exactly. Take the over. I know. I know. It was just incredible. Um, and, you know, just speaking of the playoffs, and we're sort of Jumping ahead a little bit, uh, you know, over the last weekend of the season, although they're really tied together, in my mind, the playoffs begin Sunday night with Giants-Cowboys, and, uh, you know, which should just be remarkable. What are your thoughts on that game? I mean, I'm really looking forward to that. I, You know, it's funny. Every year we always seem to see the same thing when it comes to the Giants and the Cowboys, particularly the Giants that, you know, they start out looking really impressive and then they lose three or four in a row in November and December. And we all wonder if, you know, the Giants have quit on Tom Coughlin and inevitably they end up winning a playoff game here or there and making some noise in the postseason. So I, the, the NFC East is a really weird division this year. I, I don't know, you know, you, you, you can look at it top to bottom and the only team that's been consistent for me pretty much all year it has been Washington in the, in the fact that, you know, they've, they've consistently been, you know, outside the pack. You know, you can pretty much count them out. So, you know, and Philadelphia has been up and down, and you never know what, you, what they're going to get from them. You know, they're one of the ultimate trick-or-treat teams. So, you know, you look at these two teams, and right now they're the class, the NFC East. I, I, I do. I, I think that the, the Giants, and particularly Jason Pierre-Paul, are, are playing just good enough to win. At this point, um, although you know it, it really remains a toss-up at, at this point, but I, I do. I if, if I'm, you know, my gut feeling tells me right now the Giants are going to win that game. Mine too. I think it's the Giants as well, and uh, you know, I think it's the defining moment for Tony Romo. It feels like yeah. he's had a lot of them, but uh, you know, this really feels like you know just uh, his moment in time as to. You know, if he can win somehow, some way, you know, he he kind of goes to the next level, and uh, but if not, you know, uh, you know, he he may just kind of have reached his peak. Do you yeah, see it that I, way? Yeah, 
Yeah, that's 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 a great point when you're talking about Romo. That you know maybe he has you know this is his ceiling. This is as good as he's going to be. He's going to be the kind of quarterback who can get you into the postseason, but not necessarily get you over the hump. Maybe it's with his team. Maybe it's with his franchise. Maybe he needs a fresh start somewhere after this year if that happens. But you know, I, you do start to wonder, looking at his body of work, if he's the kind of guy who's just good enough to get you into the postseason, or if he can take that team to the next level. I, I don't know if he's that guy right now at this point in the season, you know, at this point in his career for the Cowboys. I don't know either, but, you know, we're all going to find out, and uh, it's going to be just a fabulous weekend. Again, there are so many eligible teams still eligible, clinging to hope. That Too many to even get into on this show, but Sunday is going to be another great final weekend to an NFL regular season. And, uh, and Chris, I know you'll be at the game. Uh, Patriots-Bills on Sunday. Looks like the weather's looking pretty good. Nothing uh, mm-hmm. unusual happening there. No <laughs> blizzards. And uh, so enjoy on Sunday and uh, into the postseason. I want to thank you again for joining us today, and, and have a happy new year. You too, John. Take care, and we'll catch up very, very soon. I look forward to it, Chris. Thanks again. No worries. Take care. All right, and now Voice America will take our break, and coming with us on the other side will be uh, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. The revolution has begun with Jim and Trav. Listen this week as Randall Eden, Shannon Young, Josh Fleming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rhodes has a new twist on wildlife management you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And joining us on the line now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And welcome, Barry, and happy New Year's weekend. Thank you, John. Same to you. It's always, always a pleasure. And uh, funny, a little, uh, the, the weather, the weather uh, in the... Uh, in uh, southern New England, is actually pretty balmy today for this time of year. So uh, a little, little bit of a change from the last few days, but uh, we will definitely take it. So, um, so yeah, nice, nice, nice day here today. Great. Uh, we will definitely take it. And, uh, you know, hard to believe that, uh, 
You know, we're at the end of 2011, which has been quite a year, and uh, obviously the year all around sports got underway back in April. You've been basically on almost every show, which has been wonderful. We love having you on, and uh, why don't we just start off with getting your view of uh, 2011 in the world of sports. What, what, what comes to mind when you think of this year that's about to end? Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of unfortunate, but you know, I, I think I think the big the big sports story of the year, and I I I, I would probably defy anyone to come up with a bigger sports or even news story of the year would be the whole uh, the whole Penn State debacle with Jerry Sandusky, and this is a story that you know will will, will not end anytime soon, and it's kind of gone back burner a little bit, you know. But uh, yeah, as, as as the legal process moves forward, but. Um, I don't think there's any denying that, that, that that's your story of the year with, you know, the, with, the, with the shock value and the, the, the ramifications on not only to, uh, you know, to Penn State, but you know, Joe, Joe Paterno's legacy, uh, sports in general, um, you know, just, just a huge, huge story which, which kind, of, kind of transcends, uh, totally transcends sports. Um, you know, we had a great, great World Series, which is probably, probably the second story. Uh, Rangers and the Cardinals, just a, just just a you know, uh, putting fall classic kind of a in, a in a different realm with that with that unbelievable game six. Um, you know, lots lots of great stories occur. Of course, uh, you know, near and dear to uh, New England's hearts, you know, the Bruins uh, ending a Stanley Cup drought, uh, winning winning their first cup since the 1970s, and the way they did it, just a just a, a great story there. So yeah, so there's there's three right off right off the top, but I I think that. Um, as I said, unfortunately, I think the, uh, the Penn State story and the ongoing uh, on the ongoing situation there that, that has to be number one. I think. I agree. Uh, I totally agree. I opened the show talking about uh, you know various yearly highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items, as well as even events that I covered. But at the end of the day, yep, it is the it is the Penn State scandal. Um, again, I think it's the worst scandal in sports history already, if it literally ended today somehow, some way. Uh, but I, <laughs> I think it's a long way from that happening. And uh, so, yeah, it's sad that that has to be kind of the take-home from 2011, but it is what it is, and that's clearly what people are going to remember. And, uh, you know, I was down at the Sports Business Journal Intercollegiate athletics symposium just in early December and these are like among you know some of the biggest decision makers of in all of college sports were there and it was just absolutely a dominant topic co combined with Syracuse right I mean the Penn State thing was bad enough but it was somehow you know made worse elevated whatever you want to say by the Syracuse had to have those as sort of a one-two punch really brought you know brought the topic uh, to where it just couldn't be ignored by anybody, right? So. I, I do think so. I think that if then and you know the 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 the, uh, the young men who who were the whistleblowers, so to speak, at Syracuse even said that you know if not for the Penn State situation, you know that that sort of empowered them and and you know kind of gave them the thought of you know let's let's pursue this. So I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that the Syracuse story would have advanced without the Penn State story going as far as it is. So I think you really make the case that 
that one sort of played into the other, you know? I agree. Uh, well, absolutely. They, they made each other worse, in, uh, yeah, I, I felt, in so, in, in so many ways. And, uh, yeah, again, just sad. But, uh, you know, let's, let's bring it forward uh, to, you know, present day, which is, in my mind, the NFL playoffs begin Sunday night at 8.30, right, right in New York with uh, Giants-Cowboys. That's basically the, it's a playoff game, we, and uh, it's going to be a great one, I think. Yeah, it, it really should be, and uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it is essentially a playoff game for both teams, playoffs starting a week early. The winner goes on, wins the losers out, and will be forced to answer all the all the end-of-the-season questions, and, you know, kind of similar questions on both sides. I mean, you're, you're looking at, you know, two teams that are, you know, that have had, you know, relatively successful seasons, but they're both very flawed. I mean, they both have problems on the defensive side of the ball. Um, when these teams met the last time, when the Giants won... Uh, one by uh, 37-34. I, it's funny, I watched, I watched the game the other night on the NFL Network. They, they showed the replay, and it was just uncanny how both teams took advantage of total defensive breakdowns. Uh, you know, Miles Austin getting three for a touchdown with no, no giant anywhere on the screen. Mario Manningham doing the same thing for the Giants. No cowboy anywhere on the screen. Um, you know, Tony Romo's hand, is that going to be an issue? Um you know, let's 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 keep in mind that he has not practiced fully all week. Uh, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones saying just a little while ago that he expects Romo to be at full strength, but again, uh, he has not had a full practice, has not gotten under center for a full practice yet. Um, you know, the Giants with injury issues as well. Uh, OCU Minura hopes to come back this week from his injury. Uh, you know, Hakeem Nicks battling a hamstring; he'll probably play. Um, you know, Felix Jones has some has some health issues too for the Cowboys. So you know, you have some key players on both sides. You know, kind of uh, kind of on the fence injury wise. But you know, I think in a game of this magnitude, you know, most of those guys are gonna, are going to find a way to play. And you know, the, the, the question is for Romo, how effective is he going to be? You know, with the, with that bad hand. I mean, it is his throwing hand. Um, you know, will the Giants go after him? Um, I think they probably will. Um, and you know. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of questions uh, for for Tony Romo. I mean, you know, uh, December has is, is, is not been kind to Tony Romo and the Cowboys in recent seasons. So you know, here's a chance for some retribution there. Here's a chance for um, you know for Eli Manning to continue the All Pro season he's having by you know taking the Giants to the next level and you know pretty much carrying them uh, to the playoffs. So yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot of things going on. You know, there's, there's you know the usual you know kind of war war of words going back and forth. Um, Justin Tuck was asked earlier this week, if, you know, if he hated the Cowboys, and he says, well, of course I hate the Cowboys. What do you what do you expect me to say? You know, he's not going to say he loves the Cowboys. You know, that's that's kind of the uh, the new uh, the new wave of journalism, which you know I'm not really a fan of. You know, asking somebody a, a question where there's really only one possible answer. And then right. hosting the guy when he gives that answer, you know, we kind of go back to the beginning of the season when Eli Manning was asked by ESPN Radio, "Are you an elite quarterback?" Like, well, what's he going to say? You know, are you as good as Tom Brady? Well, yeah, I, I, I think I am in that class. You know, but again, what's he going to say? No, I'm not. No, I'm terrible. No, he's way better than me. So, you know, that's that's the way that goes. But you know, and then you have uh, you know, Emmett Smith, you know, the Hall of Famer, Cowboys legend, questioning the Cowboys' mental toughness. So there's all there's some there's some voices on both sides. You know, a lot kind of questions and, you know, things going on in the back of people's minds. But, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, 
for a regular season game. I don't think uh, the NFL could have asked for a better regular season ending game than this, and it, uh, it should be a lot of fun. It really should be. Uh, you know, it's a great rivalry. It's just it's got all the elements, and I think you could easily make the case. I mean, there's just been no harder team to read. Maybe no harder two teams. You'd have to throw the Jets in, but you know, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Jets, to a degree, have been the three toughest teams to read all year long. I mean, you know, talk about ups and downs, and some weeks they look fabulous, other weeks they look dismal. And, you know, obviously the Giants had the, beat the Jets last week to basically put them in the position they're in on Sunday night, uh, a win-and-you're-in playoff scenario, and look who they're playing with the Cowboys. And, you know, it's been funny with this, where you just saw it building over the past month where, you know, everybody knew the Cowboys-Giants played twice in December. And uh, I can remember thinking as far back as, like, Thanksgiving, you know, they're going to meet with the, play, you know, with the playoffs on the line on the last night of the regular season, without a doubt. You could just yeah, see this I mean, game you, coming. You, you, yeah, I mean, you can pretty much see that when the schedule first came out. I mean, you saw the Giants and Cowboys playing, you know, uh, twice in the last four weeks of the season. So, you know, it was kind of set up that way. Um but, yeah, there's, there's no question about that. And, uh, you know, the, I think the NFL has done a really good job, as they always seem to do, of, you know, pretty much having a lot of games matter and a lot of games count in this last weekend. I mean, there, there, you, you can look around, around the league. There's a lot of important games. I don't think you can find any that, you know, have the, carry the magnitude of, of this one. But, uh, but yeah, there's, a, there's, there's still a lot of teams jockeying for position, a lot of teams with something to play for, a lot of teams trying to make the playoffs. So, you know, if we were up to the NFL, a perfect year in the NFL would be for them, for the league, to have every, every team finish 8-8 eight eight because that would be the ultimate, uh, the ultimate uh, uh, question of parity, you know, because that's what the league wants. They want every team to have a chance. They want to be the focal point. They want every team to be in the discussion as far along as we can go, you know, whether it's be whether it be uh, playing for that first-round draft pick, you, know, you have uh, you, know, you know the Colts certainly in that conversation, some other teams as well, uh, and on the other realm, you have teams trying to you know get those first-round buys. Uh, you know the Patriots, you have the Steelers, you have the Ravens all in the hunt there, uh, and of course you know the Giants and Cowboys as we've discussed. So yeah, a lot of a lot on the line, but uh, you know the NFL has to be very very happy and very very excited about the prospects for this final weekend. Yes, and I think uh, I got, you know, uh, one of the updates from the NFL this week, which uh, I'm on the NFL media list, and they supply spectacular information on a weekly basis, practically a daily basis. But one thing that caught my eye was that, uh, you know, there's like five new playoff teams this year, and that it's, you know, many years in a row, there's like new new teams keep showing up in the playoffs and even though, you know, as you just said, it's a, you know, the joke, if you will, has always been that the NFL will be, only be happy when everybody's 8-8. Eight and eight. I think really the thing they most want, truly, is, you know, new teams in the playoffs. And the more teams with playoff hopes going into the final week of the weekend of the season, i.e. this Sunday, is just truly the goal, the objective of the NFL in general. And once again... They have it. There are fans in, um, off the top of my head, you know, 
a dozen or more cities easily with, uh, you know, watching this weekend's games with playoffs on the line. So it's just, uh, and it's one of the funnest things about the NFL, no matter what. You don't have to be a fan. I mean, you know, I'm up here, I'm up in Boston with the Patriots, and I know they're in, but yet I'm fascinated by all the other games, as any football fan would be. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you, of course, you can talk about some of the new teams. I mean, you'll look at the Lions. I mean, a lot of excitement in Detroit for the first time in many years. You have to have the Lions in the playoffs. I mean, you've, you've never, those are two words that we've never spoken together probably been in years. Uh, you know, the Houston Texans are in the playoffs. And, you know, you know the only unfortunate thing there is you, know, you kind of wonder they'd be probably a more serious contender if uh, Matt Schaub hadn't gotten hurt. So, yeah, there's some really good storylines, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, uh, you know, the next couple of days to solidify some of those other storylines. But uh, yeah, I, I think the NFL, uh, you know, can look back and say this was this was this was a banner year, and uh, it, yep, it, and the most exciting most exciting time is yet to come. They got it right again, Barry. And uh, to me, you know, as we go to our break here, the most exciting and or interesting team of the year, even above the Lions, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and maybe we'll touch on them and also a little basketball, NBA, underway uh, when we come back. And uh, with that said, we'll take our break and join Barry will be sticking around with us on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line is Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, we closed the previous segment with uh, a reference to the San Francisco 49ers. So I'd like to just get your thoughts on them before we move into some NBA. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a little bit remiss on my part last time by not, not mentioning the Niners. But yeah, they're one of the big success stories of the year, too. And, you know, just, you know, just, uh, just the, the, the balance they've shown on both sides of the ball and, you know, just, you know, really, really 
dominating the NFC West as as they have most of the year. I believe they were the, the first team to clinch clinch a playoff spot. And um, yeah, I mean they've they've uh, they've kind of run run the uh, run the gantlet, and they've uh, they've certainly shown that that they belong. And you know, a lot of uh, you know for once proud franchise. You know, going back to the, the, the Joe Montana days, you know when they were the they were the, the uh, you know, they were the cream of the league in the in the eighties. So you know a little little bit of return to uh, the past glory for them. And you know, and, and you know, you have a lot of excitement in the Bay Area now with the Raiders being uh, being contenders again. You know, going for their uh, division championship. So you're going to have the uh, you know possibly the Giants and Jets in the playoffs in New York, and uh, the Niners and Raiders in the playoffs in the Bay Area. So a lot lots to talk about for uh, for those two cities and those two regions. It is. It's going to be exciting out there, to say the least. And uh, when I saw what the 49ers did. Uh, to the Steelers, even though obviously Ben Roethlisberger was not himself that night, I was really impressed, to say the least. And uh, so, Jim Harbaugh got a got a hand it to him. Uh, a remarkable rookie year in the NFL of coaching, and uh, they're going to be fun to watch potentially in the playoffs. So, well, we also had in recent in, in the last week or two here the beginning of the NBA uh, last. Saturday to be specific, like Sunday, excuse me, to be specific. Some great games. Uh, I watched uh, uh, Celtics Knicks, uh, you know, fascinating game. Came down to the last shot with KG going up from out around the three point line with the potential game winner. Did not fall. But uh, I'm going to start off with the Celtics. Uh, haven't won a game yet. And uh, watched some of that Miami Heat game down here in Florida, which was interesting perspective. And uh, what are your thoughts on? We'll start with the Celtics, and then I'd like to get your thoughts on the Knicks after that. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of people were say are saying that you know Celtics aren't getting any younger, and you know you have this core group. You know, another year under the belt for them. You know, Paul Pierce obviously has not has not played yet because of injury, so we haven't seen him on the court yet. But you know, KG, Ray Allen, uh, and, and and friends are you know scuffling a little bit out of the gate. You know, um, you, you kind of wonder if they've if they've, they've got the guns for this. You know, you know a, a, a truncated uh, training camp. You kind of wonder if they're in shape yet. You know, I, and you know, I, I think kind of what we saw uh, in the in the NFL preseason with the with with the, with the lockout shortened preseason in the NFL. You know, uh, would injuries be a factor? It turned out they, they were. There were a lot of pulled muscles out of the gate. A lot of you know, a, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, sluggishness from some teams. And I think you're going to see this. And, and we're seeing the same thing uh, with the Celtics. You know, it's an older team. You know, maybe these guys need a little bit more time to kind of kind of gel and kind of kind of get their legs underneath them. Um, you know, and as, as so, I think that that's the deal with the Celtics. You know, I think they'll be. You know, they'll certainly they'll certainly you know be good, be a contender. But you know, do they have the do they have the gas to, to go all to you know to go all the way through the season? You know, very uh, very quick regular season. You know, sixty six games would be a lot of back to back to backs. Um, you know, time will tell if, if, if they can handle that. Um, you know, as far as the Knicks go, um, I think obviously adding Tyson Chandler, they have added a very important piece. To the front court, but you know the question remains. You know who's who's going to run the backcourt for them? I mean, you know Baron Davis. They have Baron Davis, but he's hurt. He hasn't played yet. We don't know when we're going to see him. You know who's going to who's going to run the who's going to be the quarterback? Who's going to who's going to run from the point guard position? Who's going to score from the backcourt? You know that, those are the questions they have. And you know 
Uh, Amari Stoudemire or Carmelo Anthony don't play any defense, so, you know, you're going to have some issues there. Uh, they're one and two out of the gate. Um, yeah, I think Mike D'Antoni took a page out of the Rex Ryan playbook, you know, saying that, you know, this Knicks team that has a chance to, to go very far, go, has a chance to go all the way. Uh, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant and the Lakers uh, took some uh, took some particularly particular glee, uh, you know, punching the air out of the Knicks balloon in their in, in their meeting last night. So, you know, and Kobe made a point to say, you know, we like sticking into Mike D'Antoni whenever we can. So, you know, right out of the bat, right off the gate, uh, Mike D'Antoni not making any friends. So, uh, you know, again, the Knicks will be better. You know, they'll be good. They'll be fun to watch. But you know, they'll score a lot of points. But are they going to be able to defend? You know, so those are the big questions there. I think at the Garden. Absolutely. Well, you know, as we know up in here in Boston, uh, you know, when it comes to sports and panicking, uh, no Boston sports fans are, uh, they, they, they pass go and don't collect 200 real quick getting to the panic stage. So I don't think the Celtics have much of a grace period. I find it fairly interesting that Paul Pierce, after a seven-month lockout, comes back and is instantly hurt, although he's tweeting today that it looks like he will be returning perhaps tonight. But uh, nonetheless, you know, interesting that he would be hurt coming out of the lockout. And, uh, boy, they need him, to put it mildly. Uh, although, you know, they're in a bad pattern of falling behind early and making late runs. I don't think that's a good recipe for this team that's uh, – up in years as they are, good off the Knicks are clearly they're they're ready to take the throne in the Eastern Division to put it mildly, and uh, so it's going to be fun. Um, meantime, what are your thoughts on you know Lakers, uh, Bulls, you know just lots of pretty fascinating teams to say the least. Yeah, I mean I think that, you know certainly Lakers and Bulls were in the conversation. You know Derrick Rose had a terrific season last year. Uh, for the Bulls, you know, kind of pulling them back up into the elite conversation. You know, the Lakers are the Lakers. Um, and, uh, you know, don't forget the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're, they haven't lost a game yet with Kevin Durant. So, you know, they, a lot of people before the season kind of were thinking thinking Miami Heat and either Lakers or Thunder as, as, as the best teams in the league. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. But I, I, I think the Thunder will be a team that will be, that'll be heard from before it's all said and done. And, uh, you know, can the Lakers, you know, keep their keep their uh, progress going? So, uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of a lot of questions, and uh, you know, it's all going to be sorted out pretty quickly. As we said, this this uh, kind of turned up turned up the heat real quick on the NBA season, kind of kind of a frying pan in the fire. So, um, you know, a lot of questions, and I and I think a lot of these will be determined uh, fairly early on. Well, I agree, and uh, yeah, again, I'm down here in Florida this week. Uh, a lot of excitement with the heat, no question. It was, uh, you know, just saying a lot of heat paraphernalia, and uh, yeah, I mean, they look like a team on a mission, to put it mildly. I mean, they, they just have, you know, the look in their eye, especially when they played the Celtics the other night. Uh, well, obviously, when they played the Mavericks you know, on Christmas Day to open the season. I mean, they administered a serious beatdown on the defending champs who, of course, beat them in last year's NBA Finals. And, uh, yeah, so it's great to have the NBA back, first and foremost. I think it is going to be an interesting season, shortened, what have you. And uh, 
So, Barry, we're bumping up against the end of our show, our last show of 2011, hard to believe. Uh, you know, I just want to throw out my usual uh, pick of the weekend for TV viewing, and it's uh, pretty obvious. It's Giants-Cowboys to close out the weekend on Sunday night. It'll be a great one. Most people are off on Monday, yeah, that being the New Year's holiday, of course, and then we have lots of bowl games to watch, and uh yeah, so it's just going to be a great, great weekend of football and some basketball. And then, of course, the Winter Classic from Citizens Ballpark, Philadelphia Phillies Stadium on Monday. And uh, why don't you just close us out with your final thoughts on uh, on your weekend coming up and sports viewing? Well, I think, uh, you know, certainly Giants-Cowboys is is the front and the middle and, and maybe the end of the conversation too. That's gonna that's gonna be a uh, you know big uh, big topic in New York you know all weekend. Um, you know I, I think uh, you know certainly uh, the, the NBA basketball season starting. You know the Knicks are, are top of mind in New York right now, and um, you know I think ratcheting up the interest. You know, the, the the Rangers now have the best record in the Eastern Conference, so the, the Rangers are playing really well, and you know a lot of uh, impetus. Uh, going into the Winter Classic against the Flyers um, on the second. So, yeah, so you have three real big, uh, really big sports in New York, but I think, uh, you know, certainly uh, going into Monday, you know, Giants-Cowboys is certainly top of the list, no question. I agree, Barry, and uh, I just want to thank you for everything you're, you've done this year. Your contributions have been spectacular, to say the least, and... Uh, I've had a wonderful time doing the show with you this year. Hopefully it's the beginning of many, many more years. And, uh, and with that said, Voice America, Happy New Year to you all. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the great sports this weekend. And we'll talk to you all in 2012. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.